Pastor Jim Baker. Hey. Well, good morning, good morning. Today's a big day in the Baker household. My oldest son gets married this afternoon, so super excited about that. Also, two of my favorite men are here. Uh, my youngest son, Evan, is home from uh, Andrew Max Bible College from Colorado. He's used to breathing that thin air, now he's back down here with the thick air of Columbus, and so we're glad. And also another one of my favorite men, uh, Reese Myers, home from the military on leave for a little bit, so yeah. And yes, those are real muscles, he did not go get implants, and so that's very exciting, so. Welcome home, bro, glad you're here. Him and I are going to be arm wrestling a little bit later, we're going to be video, it's going to be very exciting, so. So we're in a series called Heal Like Jesus, and today we're going to look at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And here's the idea, is we're looking over the shoulder of Jesus and seeing how he did it. And so uh, I've been telling you, we're going to preach until there's a shift on healing in the church. And I think things are shifting, guys. Things are shifting here. And I'm about to read you some testimonies just from this past week. But I want you guys to get this. God is not deciding uh, whether or not to heal you on a case-by-case basis. He's not looking at you and seeing if you're worthy to be healed. He already decided 2,000 years ago that, yes, healing is God's idea. He uh, he says in Isaiah 53, here's what the Messiah would do. He bore your sickness, carry your pain, and by your stripes we are healed. It's already a done deal. God has already said yes. Here's some testimonies just from this week. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me from a slipped disc and sciatica that I had had for over a month from an old injury. I was finally able to dance with flags during worship. That was last Sunday, so yes. So good. I prayed for a little girl. This is just someone, these are messages that were sent into us. I prayed for a little girl over the internet who uh, had an enlarged pituitary gland, which the doctors thought was a tumor. She sent her lab results to a group chat that I was in. I prayed over her and forgot about it, actually. She texted later that night that her levels completely dropped and are normal again, and the doctors couldn't find the tumor anywhere. Yeah, so good. Am I echoing out there? Are we okay? Echoing, you know what, sometimes you need to hear it twice, so that's good, so. I'm sure they'll get it fixed, if not, do I need to use the handheld? Handheld, oh, it's fixed, oh, there it is, look at that. All right, keep going, all right, keep going. All right, so uh, here's another one from last Sunday. Uh, what an amazing and life-changing time at Zion. We were probably the most excited for my husband's healing that happened on Saturday night. We had a conference last week. He has been struggling daily with numbness, numbness tingling, and nerve pain in his arm around the clock for over a year. It was instantly and fully healed during prayer time. Thank you, Jesus. Another woman uh, emailed in that she was uh, healed from plantar fasciitis. I mean, that's such good news. So a lady named Jody, uh, she came last weekend to the conference, and uh, she's a single mom with seven kids, and one of her kids is an eight-year-old boy with autism. You guys ready for this one? Are you guys sure you're ready for this one? Uh, here's uh, the first message I get from our Facebook. My son is healed from his autism. I didn't pray for this. I'm so confused. I, re- I replied with, Jody, we're going to need more details. And she put, okay, in a little bit, I'm going to play soccer now. I'm like, like seriously? I'm like checking the phone nonstop. Here it is. I'm, not, I'm really not sure what happened. It's just like all the symptoms are gone. I mean, it's like he has common sense now, where before he would have drowned or maybe got lost or hit by a car. He stopped checking out mentally. He stopped having emotional outbursts and anger episodes. He makes eye contact, and he's totally reasonable. He stopped making animalistic sounds and weird expressions. He gives me affection in an appropriate way without any awkwardness, and is now hugging me in the front. Yeah, come on, Jesus. 
He's, uh, now listen to these words of an eight-year-old, okay? He's telling me he hears a voice all day, every day, for the last three years, telling him to come home and that it's a God's voice. That he hears him all the time, and that when he takes one step away from, uh, from God in anger, God takes, uh, uh, no, when he takes one step away in anger, because he's been having these anger episodes, God takes 50 steps in front of him, clearing a path for him to follow. Is that just precious? And so, yeah, so if, man, I, I don't even know what to do with this. This is so good. And so, uh, we're gonna, actually, we're going to see here something really powerful in, in, in the next couple of lessons. But the first three miracles of Jesus, the people who received healing had nothing to do with the healing. They weren't even asking for it. Okay, and so I just think we just need to just release this. We're also going to see that God heals families uh, in this next story here. But, Lord, we just are so thankful for what Jesus has done. And that you're giving the church, you're giving us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to get more clarity on it. So I pray that a, a confidence would increase, Lord. We wouldn't be numb to these things. But Lord, anyone who's struggling with a special needs child, Lord, we just, let, we just say that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's prophesying that he wants to do it again. I pray that there be an encouragement. Don't look to see what you're doing wrong. Look to see what Jesus is doing right. And so we just thank you that, Lord, uh, that those special needs children, they're hearing a voice from heaven calling them home, calling them towards you. And, and so, Lord, we just speed it up in the name of Jesus. Amen. I feel like we could just close and pray after that. Well, you heard in our announcements, they're going after five key areas. And so today we're really going to be kind of amplifying the naturally supernatural. And so uh, today we're going to be looking at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And, we're, and uh, it's interesting because it's told us to in, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's told in three different Gospels, telling the same story. But, you know, if you've got three friends telling the same story, each one will kind of bring out a little something different, a little different perspective, depending on where that. We're going to see Luke, the medical doctor, gives us a little bit more information on that side of it. And so just as we're going into this, Peter had his name changed. And so he was Simon, and then Jesus changed his name to Peter. There's some significance of that. So two of the accounts, he's called Simon. One, he's called Peter. So that's why that is. Uh, you guys ready? So if you didn't get a sheet of paper, then uh, just look up on the screen, and then uh, hopefully in the, uh, uh, for those of you watching online, in the description, there will be a link that takes you to these scriptures. And one of my goals is that uh, I, I, we just did a message a couple weeks ago called, called Birthing Your Miracle, and we saw how you need, to be, uh, you need to see yourself as healed on the inside before you see it on the outside. We begin to talk about how God can use the, uh, our imaginations as the canvas for his Holy Spirit to paint what faith looks like. And I want us to begin to meditate on these stories. And so we're taking these stories, and I'm going to kind of amplify them a little bit. And I want us during the week to use our imaginations and go through these things until we can see it as if we were able to do the things Jesus is doing. Because God's invited us not just to admire him from afar, but to represent him to the world. Are we good? Yes. All right, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her. So Peter was married. Are we okay with that? All right. I know a lot of people think Jesus was the first pope of the church. This one was married. How are we doing? And then Jesus entered Peter's house, and he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. Here's a story in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 and 31. And immediately he, speaking of Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. With, uh, with Simon and Andrew, with James and John. So those are the four business partners in the fishing ministry there. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. I love how Mark's just always using immediately. They're just always like, an, it's like the uh, Indiana Jones version of the gospel. Everything's just like action-packed nonstop. Verse 31, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever, fever left her, and she began to serve them. 
All right, let's look at it from Luke's perspective. Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 39. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now remember the story of the synagogue was the story we looked at last time when Sean preached, where the demoniacs freaking out because uh, the demons thought Jesus was there to destroy them. So this is on the same day. This is the same day. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Okay? So like I said, this is, happen- this is, this is a pretty exciting day on the day of Jesus' ministry. So he's teaching at the synagogue. Uh, you know, the, the, the demonized man begins freaking out. Jesus rebukes it with the word, and everyone's marveling at the authority that Jesus had. You guys remembering this? So you have to look at this. So here they are. They're coming out of this situation, and they're kind of new to the supernatural healing ministry of Jesus. They're just beginning to see him. They just started following him. And they're so inspired by what they just saw in the synagogue. Now they're going to uh, Peter's house for lunch. It's about noontime. And they're like, hey, let's try it out on Peter's mother-in-law, right? So listen to it from uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 30 again, 38 again. And Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. I like that last phrase there. They appealed to Jesus on her behalf. So um, we've only looked at three miracles so far. I want you guys to get this. This is profound. But you may notice so far, the people being healed have nothing to do with their healing. Now, that's not true in every single case. But in these first three cases, the first miracle we looked at was the royal official whose son is dying in Capernaum. And this Capernaum official makes this trek. Remember, we saw all the way up the, uphill the whole way. It wasn't uphill both ways like Bill Cosby's saying, But it was uphill the whole way. He gets to Cana, and uh, Jesus says, your son will live. And by the time he gets home, he gets the report. The very moment that Jesus spoke that, his son begins to get healed. The son's laying there at home. Dad, dad took care of it. The son didn't come, didn't do anything. He's lying sick at home, had nothing to do with the miracle. Last time when Sean died, Jesus is teaching with authority. The man with the unclean spirit begins to freak out. The demons think he's going to uh, destroy them. Jesus tells the demons to go. The guy didn't even do anything to get free. The demons freak out. Jesus takes care of it. And this time, they, they ask Jesus on behalf of Peter's mother, mother-in-law, who's lying like an invalid on a mat. She's completely out of it. She can't even do anything. She has nothing to do with the miracle. I want you to see that Jesus does not demand her faith. Now, that's to be faith somewhere in the room. I got some good news for you. If you're in the room, there's faith. People are like, is it their faith? Is it your faith? You're there. There's faith. So don't worry about it. Is there not enough faith? You're there. It's going to be fine. All right? We've all been to those meetings where someone didn't get healed, and we've heard the pastor, like, blame it on them. Well, it's because of your lack of faith. I have not found it helpful to blame the person who's not healed to now add shame to them and see if that helps. Okay? I've not found it super helpful to look, why isn't this working? Remember, faith looks at Jesus. If faith doesn't start looking at, why isn't there enough faith? Where is this happening? Because it's no longer acting as faith. Faith looks at Jesus. Okay? And so this lady, she's just lying there sick, and she passively receives what Jesus has to give because someone else asked. Well, that should be good news. She was healed because someone else told Jesus about her condition. I got some good news for you. It can work the same way today. Someone can get healed because someone filled with Jesus knows about the condition and begins to act in his name. I want you to see something else here. God works in families. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel, for that yeah. I I received that yeah. Um, All through the New Testament, God's works works in families. The gospel and the power of God are kind of like a really nice bacteria. Right? So you get one person who comes to know the Lord, and before they know it, they're spreading it to their immediate family. And they're exposed to this Jesus bacteria, and people are either going to accept it or reject it. And so you see Andrew, he comes to know Jesus. This bacteria gets on him. What's he do? He goes and he spreads it to his brother Peter. 
and they spread it to their business partners, James and John, right? We see throughout the New Testament, entire households were coming to the Lord, all right? So guys, whenever someone is saved or a miracle happens, it spills onto the other family members. Now they still have a choice on whether or not, but now they're being exposed to the Jesus that you've been exposed to. You get one person saved or healed, and it's not long before other family members are getting saved and healed, okay? I'm saying this because every one of you represents a family, okay? There was only one virgin birth, okay? And so you don't pop everyone comes from a family here. And the fact that you have a family member that needs the Lord or a family member that needs healing, there's great hope for them because they are part of your family, and you carry the very Jesus that they need. Let me just declare this over you. You've been infected with a Jesus bacteria, it's incurable and highly contagious. It's incurable. I'm sorry. Why? Because God works in families. Okay? And so they tell Jesus about Peter's mother-in-law, and it says he came to her. There was an immediacy to it. Jesus wasn't like, hold on. Let me see if it's the Father's will to heal this sick person. No, no, no. He already knew what God's will was. There's an immediacy to it. So he goes right to it, and we read in Matthew 8, 14, and when Jesus entered Peter's house... He saw, I I like that word saw there, we're going to talk about that. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek language has a whole bunch of different words to use to describe seeing. This one is not talking about taking in with your visual senses or using your eyeballs, okay? Here's what this word means. It means to perceive, we're getting some insight into how Jesus does healing ministry here. Remember, we're looking over his shoulder. How is he doing it? Here's what this word means. Perceive, to discern, to look into the heart of what's going on. Okay, so here's Jesus, he, 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 you know, this demoniac, he speaks the word, the authority comes out, it comes out with authority, they're like, hey Jesus, we help Peter's mother-in-law, and he comes in a situation, and he's not just using his formula, he isn't just using this five-step healing formula that he's come up with, and you know, he just applies the same way every single situation, in these 26 miracles of Jesus that we're going to be looking at, I don't know if we're going to look at all of them, I don't know if we're going to go at 26 parts, but I'm excited about it, and so the, um, he does it 26 different ways, isn't that interesting, people are like, well, he doesn't want to get religious, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, I, you know, he, there was a lot of times in the crowds he's laying hands on, on the sick. God, it's always God's will to heal. But it's part of our responsibility to say, God, how do you want to do this one? Yeah. And if you're not hearing anything, we already have the command, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Yeah. So don't do something weird just to feel like you're being powerful, you know. Smith Wigglesworth would punch people in the stomach and they would get healed. Well, it was great. It worked for him. When his followers did it, it didn't work. I remember I had someone come up to me and like, I just feel like I, I had some sickness I was dealing with. And <laughs> someone comes up to me and they're like, I feel like I'm supposed to punch you in the stomach to get healed. I'm thinking, you know, like, I cry easy. I got a low pain threshold, you know. <laughs> so I just looked him in the eye and I said, uh, you can do it, but it better work. And he's like, forget about it. You know, I'm like, thank goodness, you know. Because <laughs> if you had the gift of faith, the gift of faith eliminates all fear. You wouldn't have gone ahead and done it, right? And so uh, anyway... So, um, so here's Jesus, and uh, he's not coming in with this method or formula. He's seeing her. He's tuning into the Holy Spirit. Can you just see this? He's, he, he, there's an immediacy to it. He knows what God wants to do. Now he gets there. He's tuning into the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, Father, how do you want to do this? I can almost picture like that holy compassion. Remember those times it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Guys, we can't just be cold about healing ministry. Oh, yeah, boom, boom, bam, bam. You know, it's, it's okay to be touched with that, to let that compassion rise up. Compassion is that mixture of love and anger. It's that holy love and holy anger. There's, there's that love where I want to see this person well, this anger. I'm so angry at what the de- devil has done to your life. So when you pray for someone, don't just interview them. What's wrong? What do you want to see happen when Jesus prays for you? You're seeing them. You're taking the time to partner with the Holy Spirit and discern what's going on in that situation. 
Remember, it's always God's will to heal. Part of our job is to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want to do this one? Are we good? And if we don't hear anything, lay hands on the sick, expect them to recover. Now, Luke, who is the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he was a medical doctor. He gives us a little bit more information here. Are you guys following me? Are we, are we okay kind of switching through this? Luke records that now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. So the Bible, there's different translations of it. It was originally written in Greek and um, Old Testament is written in Hebrew, a couple parts in Aramaic. And so we're getting some translations, so sometimes there's some fresh ways to say it. The New International Version says that she was suffering with a high fever. The New Living Translation, she was very sick with a high fever. So Luke tells us that she was suffering. That's a little, uh, little part that we don't get to see. Luke the doctor, it's a very strong word. The picture, she's gripped tightly by this disease and there's no way out of it. Right? It's like she's been seized by an enemy and there's no way out of it. It's a hopeless situation. This isn't just the flu. Her fever is raging hot and there, there, there's no help for it. She's totally uh, wiped out. She's utterly exhausted and she's lying on this mat in the floor. And here's what it says. Luke says, Jesus rebuked the fever and it left her. Okay? Matthew says, he touched her hand and the fever left her. And Mark says, he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her. Isn't this interesting? Three different things. So what happened? All three of them happened. He rebuked the fever, touched her by the hand, and then took her by the hand and lifted her up. And each one ends with, and the fever left her. Okay? Jesus did all three. Each writer is kind of bringing out something that picked up to them. All right? So let's look at these. First of all, Jesus rebuked the fever, okay? The, uh, the word rebuked is the same one that Sean taught on uh, last time in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus rebuked the demon, okay? Uh, rebuke, it's a stern command, okay? It has to do with the attitude behind it, but there's a tone of the voice. You don't rebuke someone with like, hey, demon, you know? Uh, you know. I, actually, that would be kind of cool. I'm going to try some. That and laser healings. You guys know I got that laser pointer a couple weeks ago. Don't think I've forgotten about laser healings. We're going to... We're going to do that one of these days. And then, then we're going to, you know what we're going to do after laser healings? Flashlight healings. Remember Peter's healing the shadow? Get the, get the flashlight. Cast. Oh, you guys, you can't take this thing too far. All right. So Jesus rebukes the fever, and it's a tone of voice that lets you know there's no more discussion to this. Okay? Jesus is saying, go. We're not discussing this. It's a confrontation. It's a verbal standing against something, and there's an aggressiveness to it. Are you guys getting the picture there? It's approaching a situation saying there's something wrong here and I refuse to let things go as they are. Get out. Go. It's finished. It's done. Be made whole, right? It does not mean screaming like a banshee. Okay? I've seen so many people, and I may have been one of those memes, where people are screaming, in the name of Jesus. And um, listen, uh, sickness and demons respond to authority. They don't respond to volume levels. So when I see someone getting kind of this an emotional frenzy, I know that they're hoping that something happens, they're not really sure, and so they're hoping that by their volume level, they're going to scare the demon out or something like that, okay? And so like, I understand passion and all those type of things, but um, that's not what authority is about, is kind of getting out of control and, and freaking out on the demon, okay? Real authority is actually pretty quiet, you know? And so you actually know how much authority someone has by how much they have to raise their voice. You know, Proverbs says that you can guide your child with your eyes, I don't think it's the evil eye, you know, we've all seen that one, but it's like, you know, the child's looking into the eyes of their father or mother, and they can see how their behavior is affecting it, and they adjust their behavior on that, but, uh, but there's a rebuke, there's a tone of voice, okay, it's what's behind the rebuke, and you don't have to scream about it, and so, uh, so there's a rebuke, and I want you to notice that um, Jesus always approaches sickness as if something's wrong, he's never like, oh yeah, they're sick, 
this is what God wants. Like, they're getting what they deserve. You know, this person had bad eating habits all their life and they got this disease. Too bad for you. No, there's never that. He's always approaching it as if there's something wrong. I want you guys to get this. Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. Okay? Jesus never put sickness on anyone. Why? Because his Father never put sickness on anyone. Jesus healed every person who came to him and every person the Father led him to. Why? Because he was only doing what he saw his Father doing. He was revealing the perfect will of God. In case you didn't get it, it's always God's will to heal. Well, hold on. Well, what, what about if they made a bad mistake or they had bad genetics or they had COVID or this and that? It's always God's will to heal. Okay. How do we know this? Because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And he healed every person who came to him and every person the Father led, led him to. He never said, you know what? I just bless you with this leprosy. It's going to teach you such an important lesson. It's going to make you more like Jesus. Jesus wasn't sick, so sickness won't make you more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make you more like Jesus, not sickness. This is important. It would kind of be a strange thing if God's putting sickness on people and then Jesus is healing them because the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. So Jesus saw sickness as something that is radically wrong with God's creation. Mankind was not made for this. This is a foreign invader, and he took his authority and he drove that thing out. He served an eviction notice of that thing. Listen to how Luke describes the healing ministry of Jesus, Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. The New Living, Trans New Living Translation says, oppressed by the devil. The message says, beaten down by the devil. The, uh, the kingdom of the New Testament says, overpowered by the devil. So here's Jesus. He sees this woman, and she's lying there in torment. He's tuning into what's going on in this holy anger. He's getting angry at how the devil has oppressed, beaten down, and is overpowering this lady. And so what does Jesus do? He rebukes the fever. He's angry at what Satan has done. And uh, here's Jesus. He's face-to-face -face with sickness, and he angrily confronts it with the authority of his father. Okay? How many of you guys have heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He was a great healing revivalist of the, of the 20th century. And uh, he was known for being rough on people. I just told you, sometimes he'd punch people in the stomach. Uh, I mean, there's even worse stories, drop kicking a baby. There's, there's horrible stories of the things he did, but they all got healed when he did it, okay? So again, I'm not encouraging anybody to move into the Smith Wigglesworth. If you haven't had 100 healings, don't move into the Smith Wigglesworth ministry, okay? Like, like get some wins under your belt before you start slapping somebody, all right? Some, some of you are like, I, I, but I feel it. Yeah, I, sometimes I do too. Just hold it back till you get a little more of a track record. But the stories told of him is he's taking a walk one day, and he hears somebody scold their dog. And here's what he said, ah, now I know how you're supposed to talk to the devil. What is that? That's a rebuke. There's a sternness to it. What are you, when your dog's doing something bad, sit. What are you doing? You're, there's, there's an authority on the inside, and you're taking it, and you're imposing it on it. That's that picture. Here's Jesus. He's tuning in. He's seeing how the devil has oppressed this woman. He's beaten down this woman. He takes his authority, and he speaks it. Jesus, um, isn't it interesting? It says Jesus rebuked the fever. Now, in the last story we looked at, Jesus rebukes a demon. Like, I can understand rebuking a demon because there's like an entity behind it, right? But how do you rebuke a fever? Have you guys thought about this? It's not a person. It's not an entity. I mean, it'd be more understandable if he's like, Jesus cured the fever. All right, Jesus healed the fever. doesn't say that. He rebuked the fever, okay? Jesus is dealing with the life force behind the fever, okay? He's going beyond the symptoms and dealing with the energy or the life force behind it. All sickness came from sin somewhere. Okay, so there's this negative energy, life force, bacteria, viruses, whatever it is. He's dealing with that energy behind it that brought sickness into this world that was not part of his original creation. And here's the result of Jesus rebuking that fever, okay? 
The fever left her immediately. And imagine that. Here she is lying like an invalid on this mat, and she's no longer in the grip of that sickness. She's no longer victimized by that intruder. The nightmare, it's suddenly over. And the word left her, it says the, uh, the fever left her, it's used in the New Testament to describe a divorce. Isn't that interesting? So this woman who was married to this fever, it's now divorced. It's gone. It is all over, right? So we see Jesus, he brings this divorce between a human being and sickness, and he does it with just a word, right? He does it with authority. So, um, so remember uh, in our last story when Jesus threw out the demon from the man in the synagogue with a word? What was the reaction of the crowd? Here's Mark 1.27. What is this? It's a new teaching. With authority, he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. We've never seen anything like this before, right? So let's talk about authority here for a second. Um, here's the idea of authority. It's, it's kind of an interesting definition in the New Testament. It means to come out of oneself. It's like, hold on, that sounds kind of weird. What does that mean? So to be out of oneself. It means that you have the right to, the, the right to speak... And it means I have the right to speak, and now that right to speak is now delegated to someone else. They are now acting on my behalf. Anyone who's ever seen the power of attorney, the power of attorney, someone has the right to make a decision, and now they're enabling someone else to exercise that right. And they've got great authority within certain boundaries, right? And so, um, so imagine, imagine when my kids are little. Imagine uh, when Evan was little, and his, uh, his, he's got older brothers, and they're, and, they're, and they're in the room sleeping. And he comes and he knocks on the door. He says, hey, you guys need to get out of bed and do your chores. Do you think older brothers are going to listen to anything little brother has to say about getting out of bed and, and doing their chores? No. But if he says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he can testify that this is true. Older brothers do not listen to little brother. Okay? But if he were to say, hey, get out, of chores and, um, get, out of chore, get out of bed and do your chores, dad said, wow. He's acting on a different authority. Hopefully the boys would say, you know what? We're getting out of bed. We're going to do the chores right now, okay? So I want you guys to get this. Um, your authority comes from the name of Jesus, okay? So when you're speaking to that sickness, when you're rebuking that fever, you're not doing it in your own strength. It's dad said. <laughs> it's in the name of Jesus. Because the authority that Jesus has, he says, I now give to you. Remember the disciples in Matthew 10, he said, um, I've given you authority over every, every sickness, every evil spirit, every disease. Okay? You have authority over things to tell it to go. And you're like, well, hold on, that was the disciples. Well, the good news is in Matthew 28, he says, I now have all authority in heaven and earth that's been given to me. Therefore, go and do everything I commanded you to do. That was Matthew 28. What did he command them to do 18 chapters earlier? Heal the sick, raise the dead. Everything that was given to the disciples, he now gives to all believers for all time. I want you guys to get this. Jesus has come out of himself and has come into you, literally. And the authority that he had over sickness, you now have. You have that power of attorney over sickness. You can stand before any demon, any force of sickness, and say, Dad said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Is anyone else hearing this? So authority knows its boundaries, but within those boundaries, it's bold. Let me just make this statement real quick. You only have as much authority as you're willing to submit to. Okay? Why was Jesus so filled with the Father's authority? Because he only did what he heard his Father say. He only, he only, only spoke what he heard the Father say. He only did what he saw the Father do. So remember the, uh, the story. That, we're going to look at this story in more detail. But there was a Roman centurion. And, uh, and he comes to Jesus. And he says, my, my servant's lying sick at home. And I'm just like, hey, I'll come to him. And he's like, no, no, no. I understand how this authority thing works. I see that you are operating on the authority of someone else. Because when you speak, 
things happen. He's like, this is how it works for me. I got, I got soldiers under me. When I say go, they go. Then when they come, they come. Why? Because the soldier is under the authority of the Roman government. And when he speaks, he has the entire authority of the Roman government backing him up behind that order. And he's saying, I see you're doing the same thing. You're not just representing Jesus of Nazareth. You're representing your Father in heaven. And when you speak, heaven moves behind you. And Jesus is like, man, I haven't even seen this kind of faith in Israel. What's he doing? He's pulling back the veil and helping us see how things work. When we speak, it's not just as if we were speaking. We have heaven backing us up behind those orders when we come into alignment with the will of God. Is that good news? So think of authority like a badge and power like a gun. Okay, so you got a, um, you know, let's say you've got a, I don't know how much semi-trucks weigh. I know they weigh a whole bunch. And so thousands of pounds. So let's, I don't, anyone know how much? 40,000 pounds, 20 tons, right? And so a 20-ton truck. I'm, I'm so thankful we've got smart people in the audience. This is, this is so good. I need help sometimes. So we got this 40,000-pound truck barreling down the highway at 65, 70 miles an hour. There's a police officer standing there with a, I guess, tin badge. I don't know. It's a, a badge. Holds up the badge and holds up his hand. Listen, he doesn't have the power to stop that thing. I mean, the truck could not hit the brakes, and it'd be a bad day, right? But because the authority of the United States government is behind that badge, the truck slams on its brakes and comes to a screeching halt. That's authority. Authority is the badge. Power is the gun, okay? Power is the ability to back it up if you have to. It's the taser. It's the martial arts skills to wrestle the person to the ground and to subdue them, okay? I've got some good news for you. God has given you authority and power. There's authority in the commission, go heal the sick. There's authority in that. You've got the authority to be able to take it, but you also have the power to back it up. All right, I thought that was good news. So Jesus has authority, and he rebukes the fever. This is interesting, Mark 131. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. When you pray for the sick, your hands are one of the most powerful tools you have. Okay? Hands are they're like an extension of your heart. When your child is sick, you just find yourself automatically putting your hand on their forehead, stroking their hair. What do you, what do you, there's just something coming out of your heart into your hands. When your child's afraid of the dark, what do you do? You hold their hand. What are you doing? You're imparting the strength that's in you into that child. So like somehow it's just the touch from the parents, the receiving strength and courage from the parents that enables them to feel stronger than they did before the handhold. I remember, uh, this is a crazy story. Um, uh, I was uh, showing off dunking. Those days are long gone. Okay, I was dunking at the, there was a, a family reunion. I was at my friend Jason Doring's house, and uh, there was this basketball hoop, and um, it was at, at this playground, and the, the, uh, the basketball court ended, and it had about a, about a one-foot drop. Okay, so it's like cement drop. And so I, you know, I used to be able to dunk those. Like I said, those days are long gone unless the rim's like eight feet tall. And so and I had, um, remember the top sider deck, deck shoes, you know, the Sperry top sider. So no ankle support. So I go up and I dunk it. And as I come down, uh, my foot, foot lands half on the cement and half on the one foot drop off. And then snap, my ankle snaps. And my ankle's just instantly swelling. They're like, it's broken. There's a nurse there, it's broken. And, uh, and when I fell, I kind of scraped my knee a little bit. And so I'm, so I'm in the hospital room. And my body starts going into shock, you know, and so it's like I'm, I'm getting dizzy, I'm getting nauseous. And this doctor, I don't know where he got his degree from, he comes up and, you know, I've got my foot in ice and I'm in, a, you know, I'm in ice, I got it wrapped around and I'm in, a, I'm in a wheelchair. And he comes and he looks at my knee and I'm like, there's a little scrape on the knee. And he's like, um, what's the problem? Why are you in here? Is it that the knee won't stop bleeding? I'm like, no, no, I'm not here for my knee. It's the giant swollen 
ankle thing. Like, like, right? And so as he's talking, my body starts kind of going to shock. And I remember, you know, my parents got called, and they came, and my dad comes, and he places his hand on my shoulder. My, my body's going into shock. I'm getting nauseous. As soon as my dad touched me, that whole thing left me. What is that? There was a strength that came from him for his boy, right? That's what we're talking about, the, the use of your hands. So Jesus, he rebukes the, the, the fever, and it immediately leaves. And now he takes the river of energy on the inside of him, the Holy Spirit on the inside of him, and he imparts a strength to her. Are you guys seeing it? If you just have the fever leave, you can still be laying there. You know, you've all been sick, the fever leaves, and you're still trashed, right? That's where this lady is until Jesus takes her by the hand. He touches her. Are we, are we seeing how Jesus is doing these things? He's tuning in. He's rebuking this thing, and now he's imparting a strength from her, all under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He imparts the power of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of healing are flowing into her body that's been weakened by this fever. And he imparts power to her by touching her hand. So it says, Jesus took her by the hand and lifted her up. The word lifted up is, is used in the New Testament of someone waking someone up who is sleeping. Okay? So it's like he takes her hand and he physically raises her up from the bed. He's drawing out of this physical, mental, emotional boundaries of weakness. She's been laying there, and now he's letting her know. So he rebukes the fever and sends the fever away. He touches her to give her strength, and now he's pulling her up. He's saying, listen, come on now. It's going to be okay. So she's stepping into that. She's got strength, and now she's stepping into that. And here's the next part. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now listen, guys. Anyone who's been sick... Laying there with a fever. The last thing you feel like doing is putting on an apron and getting up and serving everybody in the house. Right? Um, my wife's not here, so I, I can say, you know. So um, when I'm sick, I, I milk it for all it's worth. Like, I don't get sick very often. But, and so actually, actually, I jokingly tell her, I don't really mean this, but I jokingly, like, I don't mind getting, like, like sick one or two times a year. You know, like, it's just like a mild fever. I don't want nausea or anything like that, but, but I milk this thing to the bone when I'm feeling bad. And she's like, you're not even sick. I'm like, yes, I am. And so, and so I love being taken care of. I love being babied. And, um, and so I don't even feel like doing anything when I just have, like, a little bit of sickness. I have a little bit of sickness. I'm like, Mary, could you write a song about how I'm feeling, you know? And, and so, listen, guys, when you're sick, you don't want to cook and serve, especially as sick as this lady is. But she goes from an invalid on a mat with no hope to putting her apron on and serving. Okay, she comes right out of bed, right into the kitchen, willing to work. Okay? I just want to say, what a day. Like, Jesus, what a day you're having here, right? Goes to the synagogue, unclean spirit, goes there, and you're thinking, Jesus' day is probably done. Like, he's, he's, he can go kick back, you know, and enjoy some matzo balls with the, uh, I don't know any other Jewish foods. I got to get some other Jewish foods. I don't know what they are. Uh, um, so there, along with uh, James and John, the, the, they were important business people of the town, Peter and them. And what happens is this begins to get gossiped all over the area. What has just happened? Something's happened in the temple, and everybody's waiting because it's the Sabbath day. Look at Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Why did they, why did they wait till sundown? Because it's Sabbath, and you can't be walking around on the Sabbath uh, under the Old Testament law. Uh, so they had to wait till the Sabbath was over at sundown. Verse 33. And the whole city was gathered at the door. Man, look at the effect of one or two good healings on a city. This is before internet. This is before hashtag miracles at Zion. There was, I mean, there was none of that. 33. That's not even a hashtag. Someone needs to start it. 33. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. This is speaking of Jesus. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many more demons. Here's what it says in Matthew's version of it, Matthew 8, 16. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, 
and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. In case you're wondering, oh, there's just a couple people. No, everybody who was sick got everything. Why? Because Jesus is perfectly revealing the will of the Father. So how does this apply to us? Okay, remember what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to kind of just tear into the story a little bit. So as we're meditating on it during the week, we've got a few more things to kind of enhance the picture. So it goes from black and white to color. I want us to meditate on these things so that we see ourselves, if we were in the same situation, we could have that same, uh, same kind of uh, uh, results that Jesus had. So here's what I want to apply a couple things. First of all, understand your authority. Now we're going to re uh, return to this many times in these stories. So if you don't get it the first time, you'll get it another time. But let's just go ahead and, and jump in here. When Jesus says we're doing things, uh, Jesus said we're going to do things in his name, okay? Remember, when we're doing things in his name, we are moving in his authority. Listen to Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs will accompany those who tithe. No, no, that's not what it says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison, and it will not harm them. All you coffee drinkers, be blessed. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Don't start bringing me your medical studies. It was just a joke, all right? Again, that, uh, that, that in my name is authority, okay? Jesus is saying, I'm coming out of myself, and I'm coming into you. And it will be as if I'm laying my hands on the sick through you. Did somebody just get that last point? Man, I need a revelation of this. You need a revelation of this. That whenever I'm laying my hands on somebody, it's never just my hands. If I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. I just think this is such a beautiful picture. I mean, Jesus, he's coming off this. Here's that someone's sick. There's an immediacy to it. He knows what the Father's doing. He discerns what's going on, tunes in with what she needs. He rebukes the life force behind the sickness, imparts energy to her, brings her to act. She steps right into it. Next. And then, boy, the whole town's hearing about it, and he just demonstrates it. That's a great day in the kingdom. And he's saying, all those things I'm doing, I can come, I've come out of myself, and I'm literally living on the inside of you, and I've given you my name. So you can exercise this badge. You can exercise this authority. There's a lot of talk about knowing who you are in Christ, and I'm afraid that all the teaching on identity has just uh, served to make people feel better about themselves. It's not just to make you feel better about yourselves. It's so that you can actually represent what dad's really like. It's to represent what Jesus is like in the world. Remember that there's a story in the book of Acts about the seven sons of Sceva. And so let's read this. Um, uh, they'd, been, uh, they'd seen America, amazing miracles that Paul was doing in the name of Jesus. And they're like, hey, uh, you know, I want you to see what happens when you don't have the badge. You're trying to use someone else's badge. Acts 19, verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, seven sons of Sceva, of Jewish high priests, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Let's close in prayer. No! <laughs> we're not going to end there. All right? And so... Oh, I, I think, oh, I, I actually I should have included the next verse, and it says, and the name of Jesus was held in high esteem in the city. That's my, I mean, I can't wait for that day to happen in Columbus when the name of Jesus is not a cuss word. It's a word that people actually fear to, tr fear to say because there's so much authority behind it when his believers say it. So I, there's a dynamic here where the Holy Spirit, see, these people, they, they, they saw authority, but the Holy Spirit hadn't made it real to them. 
Okay? They, they, they saw it working for other people. And guys, uh, I believe what God is doing is we're, we're, we're a church that's not just going to see it working for other people. What's happening is the Holy Spirit's making this real. You can do this with what you have. Okay? And so the last thing uh, before I close with the story, um, Jesus did not pray for the sick. He healed the sick. Okay? And uh, so if you're asking God to heal the sick, you're already in unbelief because he told you to heal the sick. Don't ask God to do what he told you to do. How do you think it would go if you went to your boss at work and you asked your boss to do the things that he had told you to do? They'd be like, no bueno, this isn't how it works. Like, I told you to do these things, and we're not going to reverse job descriptions, all right? And so um, God told you to heal the sick. Oh, Father, you see this person's heart. You know how much they love you. Well, first of all, stop trying to get someone healed based on their goodness. Okay, they're going to get healed because of what Jesus has done, right? God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're always getting them healed on that. And so let's look at some of Jesus' prayer. Stretch out your hand. Little girl, wake up. Eyes be open. What's he doing? He's taking the authority that the Father's giving him, and he's using it in these situations. We don't need to pray for the sick. Uh, Andrew Womack says anything more than two or three sentences is just trying to convince yourself. It's unbelief. Okay, so we don't need to wear out the demons with our many words, okay? And so we can say, shoulder be healed in the name of Jesus. I'm going to close with this story. So uh, James Maloney, uh, one of my, uh, just one of my favorite people on the, on the planet, and so uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago. He's a real father to this house. We were so privileged. You guys know how privileged we were to have him here so many times. And so I'd, uh, I'd never heard of James Maloney before. I don't know if this is like 2013, 2012. I don't remember when it was, but I'm watching Bethel TV back then, and they got this guest speaker on James Maloney, and I think it was called something like, uh, healing and miracles or something like that. And so I'm like, hey, my favorite subject, one of my favorite subjects, I'm like, so I'm watching it. And so James Maloney, he, um, he, he uh, it was actually, I wrote it down. It was six minutes into this, uh, into this message that he told this story. And after he told the story, I hit pause, went to his website, bought everything on his website, went back to the sermon, watched the rest, right? That's how you do it, people. When in doubt, shell it out when it comes to God, all right? <laughs> And so he was a, here's the story. He was a professor at Christ for the Nations in Texas. It was an Christ for the Nations Institute. And he was doing a class called the Theology of Miracles. And so at the end of this class, they would kind of have a big healing night, and they would all come together. And so before, he's kind of preparing for it just with the Lord before that. And the Lord gave him a word of knowledge that there was 32 students that were going to be there that were born with deformities. And that he was to pray for them. And so he's like, I don't know about this, God. We'll see. And so he gets there, and uh, he says, I feel like the Lord, he didn't say the number. He said, I feel like the Lord said there's a, there's a number of students here who have deformities that God wants to heal. Uh, they came up and lined across them. He counts them. Anyone want to guess how many there were? There was 32. So he's like, okay. <laughs> All right. How many you know? Sometimes the Lord just is gracious to us to give us those little things, to give us a little bit more, more encouragement. So the first student came up, had a club foot. It was turned opposite. It was down. It was shriveled. And, um, and as he prayed, the foot whipped around and uh, undeformed and was completely made whole. That's fun. Can I just tell you a quick one on this? So Rachel, uh, Sean's wife, and Mary and I, we were over in India. I don't think I told you guys this story. And so we were, <laughs> so we had just, uh, someone had a, like a, a short leg, and so we prayed, and the leg grew out miraculously. So bone, tissue, tissue muscle, ligaments, just supernaturally grew. And you could, we were teaching, but there just wasn't a lot of faith in the room. We're just kind of plowing through a lot of stuff. And faith, like once that happened, they actually we gathered everybody around and they watched the miracle happen. Faith grew in the room. I'm like, well, hey, why don't you just partner up with, there's probably a decent chance that someone's got a shorter leg. And so there's this guy, there's this guy there 
And he wasn't even supposed to be there. His wife's taken the class. His wife was raised in a leper colony. That's a whole other story. And so, she, um, and so she's there. And so he, he's got a bad knee. And so we're teaching, we're praying, and he is not getting healed in any of the sessions. And so every session, he's more and more discouraged. Like no one could show discouragement on their face like this guy. I mean, it was like he practiced, you know. And so he's just, he's just discouraged. And so, and, uh, so, so we partnered him up <laughs> with uh, somebody. And the person he partnered with, had a leg four inches shorter than the other one, and their foot was deformed and turned in. It's like, oh, guys, like, could you, could you, yeah, the person with like a like quarter inch leg, you know, you know, and so four inches shorter, and, and the leg's deformed. And so there he is, you know, full of faith with his shoulder slumped, his head down, his countenance downcast, and he prays, and the leg, uh, first of all, the foot undeforms and turns around. So now he's got a normal foot from the deformed foot, and then the four inch leg. That's shorter, grows out even. And so we're all praying and stuff, and he yells, Jesus is using me in healing ministry right now. Jesus is using me in healing ministry. Like he's instantly just lit up. Well, this guy becomes a healing terrorist, all right? So we were doing a school of supernatural, and it was part of this bigger school. So it was a small group of students. Well, now he's going and telling all these students, and we got in trouble because some of them didn't believe in the supernatural and the administration didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, and so, so, so the rest of the time, this guy, like, he is a changed man by this one miracle working through him. Him and his wife are now doing healing crusades all over India. Like, they're seeing so many more healings than we've ever seen. Like, we would get these reports, oh, we had seven lepers and three blind eyes, and we had, you know, 500 people. It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? We just went over and did this little school. But I love it. And so, so Maloney, he's praying for this first person, and this foot undeforms and comes around. And so um, everybody's getting instantly healed. Um, there was a boy who had a sternum that was turned to the side. It was like a 45-degree angle, and he prays for him, snap, crackle, pop. The, uh, the sternum undeforms and goes back into his body. At the very end, the, uh, number 32, the girl, uh, the left side of her face, she was born with a deformity, and her face was mangled and distorted, and uh, she was very embarrassed by it. And she related af- afterwards that she felt she suffered a lot of rejection in her life. So she wore her hair over her face so you couldn't see it. And so he went to lay hands on her, and as he did, she pulled back. And so he just sensed in his spirit that she's, she's filled with shame. So first of all, he was just like, Holy Spirit, I break off that shame in the name of Jesus. And then as he's praying, he feels this arm reach over his arm and this hand go into his hand, and he realizes that it's Jesus. And Jesus' hand has just gone into his hand. So the Lord tells him to pull back the hair and put his hand on her face. He said when he did that, it was as if her hand became, her face became clay. And he has that scripture going through his mind of how the potter shapes the clay. And he said, for the next five minutes, the Holy Spirit's moving his hand, and it's reshaping her face. And when he pulls it out, her face solidifies, and she's beautiful and symmetric. Yeah. Hey, gang, I would submit to you that when you lay your hands on someone, it's never just your hands. Jesus has put his hands into your hands. He's put his authority. He's put his name into your name. And when we pray, we expect Jesus' hands to move. Let's stand for closing prayer. Is that good news? Your homework assignment this week is just to take this passage, maybe listen to the message again, and let it get deep into your imagination as you begin to see yourself walking into a situation Tuning in with the Holy Spirit, taking authority, rebuking, using the healing energy of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, imparting it to someone, having them step into these things. You're using that power, using the badge and the gun. Okay?
Sound good? All right, so um, I'm going to pray for us to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Then we're going to end with some declarations. And then I've got a wedding to get to. Not trying to rush, but just give me some grace. We got pictures in like two hours, and I'm not wearing a suit right now, am I? I got to change. So, Lord, I just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the opportunity to be mentored by Jesus through your word. And so I pray for each person in here that these wouldn't just be cute stories. I pray that they'd be an arrow to their heart. It would be fire in their spirit that, God, we are called to do these same things. So I pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. Unveil Jesus to us. Help, him to, help us to see him more clearly so we can see what we can do. All right, let's make some declarations. Uh, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Your tongue is a portal for the kingdom to be released when faith, when it comes, when it's, uh, <laughs> boy, it sounded so much better when I, <laughs> I'm just going to read it to you. I'm already at the wedding. All right. <laughs> it's horrible. I've been crying all morning. I was reviewing the notes. I'm like, I've just got tears stinging my eyes. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this wedding, but it's going to be so fun. So yeah, so oldest son marrying a girl from Zion, middle son marrying a girl from Zion. Hey, Evan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm teasing. You're free to marry any girl from Zion that you want. It's, uh, it's not, it's, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I was telling Mary, I'm like, you know what? Hopefully we've done good at the church, but even if we haven't, at least we've got some amazing daughter-in-laws that were like raised up here. So thank you, Jesus. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> All right, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You guys say this after me. I have authority over every demonic spirit. I have authority over every demonic spirit. I have authority over every sickness. I have authority over every sickness. I have authority over every disease. I have authority over every disease. When I lay my hands on the sick, when I lay my hands on the sick, they will recover. They will recover. When my hands touch you, when my hands touch you, Christ's hands touch you. I was born to see impossibilities. Bow their knee to the name of Jesus. Nothing is impossible. The unsaved constantly experience miracles through me. I think we're going to do that last one again. The unsaved constantly experience miracles through me. Signs and wonders follow me wherever I go. Lord, I bless your people to be, to be Jesus. Lord, I, I just thank you for what you're doing in this church. Lord, I thank you for the shift in healing, and Lord, let it increase. Lord, let it increase that the name of Jesus would be held in high esteem. Amen. Bless you guys. Our ministry teams are coming forward. They'll be the ones with tags on. Please forgive me. I really am just going to bolt on this. Love you guys.